A study by the Ohio State University found that we emotionally connect easier to fictional characters than real-life persons. So we invest in our pretend friends rather than pay interest to our real ones. Our reflections read like chalk outlines of dreams deferred and sound like misspent coins on wishing wells. So we imagine in career and sleepwalk through job applications and validate our lives by comparing it to those around us, but we alienate those around us so we end up measuring ourselves by the people we see on TV screens using the remote to channel flip realities. This is as close as some of us will ever get to having control in our lives. We live in a world where technology displays the last vestiges of humanity in crisp high def, sold our souls for the latest apps. We measure progression by the point oh versions we keep in our pockets live lives. As virtual tragedies, we say eulogies over flat screen coffins. Death was never so sparkling in false religion, never more equipped for the YouTube generation. Desperation and please stigmata our hands so we carry devices in our palms that can easily touch swipe our faith, carry holy water before the TSA takes it, never realizing... Our hands got x-rayed with the mark of the beast, so rosaries are offered on Amazon for just one click. We scream in text with demon-possessed fingers because we can't find the right words to say in live conversation, so we create exorcisms that have us tweeting in different tongues because our friends on Facebook aren't as trustworthy as our followers. Religion means respect for what's sacred. Our souls are sacred and our body is a temple. So let me breathe in metaphors and similes like Judgment Day is here and poets are in charge of who gets into heaven. I want a microphone to bookmark my sins, be the echo reminder. I've got a list of dreams left to fulfill. I want to look at life and fantasize in sonnets, tell symphony-like soliloquies. I want to read with Emily Dickinson. I want to feel Edgar Allan Poe scratching his hand to the floor of my conscience, exercising me of trapped demons, devils, screaming while crumbling in the dust of Langston Hughes so you get enthused in your soul or that lump in your throat when you swallow the words of Pablo Neruda. Me gustas cuando callas porque estás como asente. It's Allen Ginsberg howling anarchy so loud your teeth vibrate revolution. There's a reason why my steps on stage feel like footprints in the sand. This is a pilgrimage that'll change your life forever. So let bent halos and clipped wings remind us that we may have fallen from grace, but we are still angels with hymns for a voice. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy stage. Thy rhymes are one with alliteration on earth as it is in heaven. See, poetry is a religious experience, and our real life experiences are the notes in a song made of conviction. So Ask me, ask me why I do this, why I need three minutes in a lifetime of apathy. And I will tell you that we see the dead walking all around us, identified by Facebook timelines that read like tombstones, never realizing that Lazarus in his deepest sleep was awakened by words of passion. He was awakened by words. He resurrected by poetry. All right, all right. That was Joe Limer. This is Say Something Anything Poetry Podcast brought to you by Puna Press. I'm Kara Goldfarb. So, Joe, I interviewed Roland Tisuela a couple of weeks ago. All right. And he is the co-founder of Glossless Minds with you. Mm-hmm. And um, he talked about his induction into the spoken poetry world. And, um, and he mentioned when he collaborated with you, you were sort of a mentor to him because he was just learning about it and mm-hmm. you already were pretty well-versed in it. And so I just wanted to know you know, what your process was coming into it, how you discovered it was something you wanted to do and you were good at it and then ha- what your first steps were into getting involved. Right. Okay. Well, I was a, I was a closet poet for a long time, meaning like, like in junior high, high school, every, everyone always remembers their very first experience with poetry. And for me, um, it was writing poetry in junior high, but I didn't want to show anyone. So, um, I wrote a lot 
but I was afraid of, of sharing it um, with people. And then as I went through school, um, I actually got bored with the academic world of poetry. So I, I kept it suppressed. Um, uh, I live out on the, I used to live in the East Coast. So I went to uh, an open mic and I heard spoken word poetry and, and, and I actually felt like I discovered a part of myself. So, so when I went to school, I, I went to law school um, and, and that like um, satisfied a certain part of my brain, but the creative part like felt so empty. And so discovering this outlet um, was something like, oh, I, I think I want to do this. And then I moved out here to California for a job. And then I heard poetry out here, the San Diego poetry scene with Rudy and Ant. And that just got me hooked. Um, so, so fast forward to like being teaching here in classes, um, a student came up to me and said, you know, you should, you should do some poetry for the classes. So uh, I thought about it and then I, I did one. So my very first poem was like a three minute sort of interlude in between, uh, students during debates. Cause I have students do debates in my classes and I wanted to come up with something like interesting. Right. So um, I just wrote these like little blurbs and then I told students for extra credit they could write haikus based on some of the political teachings. So it's like, oh, OK. So it all came together. Um, now I'm blessed to, to have a job, to be in a job where I can do poetry and, and I can also do the academic side as well. So, right. so yeah. Um, so when you talk about teaching, you teach uh, political science. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and. Yeah. I'm guessing the students for those classes aren't super familiar with poetry or it's just a different subject altogether. Yeah. So what's like, if you're incorporating, you know, spoken word yeah. into into that job to sort of make it more interesting, what's the reaction of these students who aren't really familiar yeah, with yeah. that well, kind of thing? Well, well to, to, to a lot of students, I mean, doing poetry in the classroom is really different um, than, than what I'm used to when I go down, down into San Diego to do poetry because um, usually it's, it's dark. Um, people expect poetry. In a classroom, um, students come in half asleep, half awake, <laughs> um, and, and, and to all of a sudden go in with, with poetry. Um, it's almost like I'm, I'm unleashing a language. Usually what I get is like, shock and then and then it turns into like oh i want to do that yeah. or i want to i want to figure out like how to write this so that's what actually started workshops so i do workshops here um free of charge to anyone in the community i mean for me um poetry took me from believing like it had to be in a certain form to understanding that the goal is to get people to speak to their truth you're not going to go wrong as long as you're speaking to your truth. Yeah. So it's just to try to get people to get to that point. Right. 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 It's funny that you mentioned uh, what your goal is for other people because one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, yeah. what is your goal when you're performing? Is it, you know, for yourself or the audience to send a message? Um, um, when, when I first started to do poetry, it was to purge. It was to get get the bad feelings out. Like I was feeling this pain or I was feeling this frustration and I wanted to write about all of these things so that's, so that others could come up to me and, and we could talk about it. And, and in it, that makes me, the shared experience makes me feel like I'm not alone to maybe the things that I'm talking about are things that people have wished that they could talk about. So I'm very, very proud of like telling an audience when I can, I, I didn't have a certain education for poetry. I didn't 
come in as some type of wonder kid that could just totally kill with poetry. I was a closet poet for like a number of years, yeah. afraid to do it, um, until you get one person. It only takes one person to say like, thank you for doing that poem. I really needed to hear it yeah. at that moment in my life. So, so it's almost like searching for that next next like rush I guess yeah yeah and I I spoke about this with Roland a bit too it's kind of like a a two-way street where Mm -hmm. you're giving them something and then they're giving you something because that feedback is so important you know right right um and yeah I think that's such a cool thing about poetry also how you somebody can feel not alone by listening to someone that they don't even know right right my entire life has been like first it was like in the law Um, So I went to law school and everything, and I realized what I really wanted wasn't to be a lawyer. It's I wanted to teach average people or any person, like, how the law can work for them. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to take the the knowledge and teachings of the law and bring it to the masses of the people. Poetry is in much the same way, where I look at the history of poetry, and poetry almost is like a non-starter for most people, because when people think of poetry, they think oh, I'm not academic enough, or I hated poetry growing up, therefore I, I, I can't do it, I'm not good at that, um, without realizing, like, well, if you switch the goal to, like, like getting to your truth, getting to what it is you want to talk about, then you can't go wrong. That's where, like, I, I think, like, me and Roland are, like, like-minded in that. I mean, nothing against um, poets who, who do it to, to try, you know, to, who make a career out of it. It's very, very hard to do. Yeah. But, but we, you know, we're doing this because... Um, we want a community voice because mm-hmm. we want to get as many people to appreciate their own voices. So, yeah. Yeah. So when you realized, I mean, when you decided that you didn't want to be a lawyer, was that the result of some like existential crisis that you were on that path and then you yeah. changed it? it yes. Was. Yes. <laughs> yes. It was, it was that huge moment. It, it, uh, it, uh, uh the, um, so coming out of law school, there was a case there's a case that I did, and and, and the case. Um, so so I, I went to law school, um, and I wrote a poem about it. But I, I went to law school um, because of a a, race, a racial experience that occurred to me um, when I was really really young. And and my mother, you know, she saw how angry I was, and you know, she had made mention that whatever you do, you know, you can't solve these problems with your fists by physically hurting someone. Um, if you're going to get back at someone, get back at someone through words. So the law was sort of um, natural. Um, so I went into it with sort of the idea of like like protection for the people who don't have a voice. Um, so my, my concentration in law school was actually constitutional law. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I did some stuff, um, some criminal defense work. So... Long story short, I, my very first case, I ended up uh, having a case where um, there was uh, uh, the the person I represented. <laughs> the person I represented, um, uh, I had a pretty good idea, did some bad things, uh-huh. and and we ended up with a favorable verdict. But I couldn't. I, I had problems, and and I realized that that my life as a lawyer was going to be very, very short. Um, the judges and, and even my, my friends in law school told me, like, my strength is I'm very passionate. 
but it's like sometimes you care more than the people <laughs> than the people you're representing yeah. and like you can only go so many cases before you just yeah. become desensitized to it so I wanted to do the next best thing which is which is to teach that is so cool yeah, yeah. and um it's I never would have you know drawn the parallel between those two Mm. being a lawyer I think and and spoken word because they both are you know giving a voice but it's like you said before with spoken word it's just finding your truth and something that you maybe can't always do in law which goes against your moral compass right 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 and that's why I like most of the poems that I write I mean they're they're personal but you know I try to make them social I'm going to talk about problems that we see in society that I bring up to students and that's that's what um caused me to do it in class which is like I'm not just doing poetry just for poetry's sake I'm I'm like hearing students debate on a certain topic or something that happens in the world and I want to comment on it and the only way I know how to do it is to do it through poetry so so yeah I mean you must see reaction to uh to poems that speak to you know, political issues mm-hmm. in a way that people don't respond to maybe, you know, the news or something that's just a bit more mainstream. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's really yeah. cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so any advice that you can give, especially considering your story on uh, students or young, anybody actually, any creative person who wants to get involved in writing or so some sort of creative pursuit and doesn't really know the path to take or is a little bit uncertain about whether they have what it takes. Okay. Um, I, I would say, I would say to keep writing and, and write, write truthfully and write courageously, um, and find an open mic Yeah. and, and tell yourself that, that, that you're going to do this. Like it's, uh, it's all the hardest part I think for most of us is not, in our writing, but in actually like going up and doing it in front of people. If you like, if you're very good, if you're insecure, like I am, I am insecure sometimes. <laughs> I, I've talked myself out of doing spoken word poetry for so many years. Like, it's like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And pretty soon you have to tell yourself, you have to be the one to do it, but you, and you control it. And that's, and that's a difference between spoken word and written poetry. I don't know if Roland talked about, but one of the things that I see is a difference between spoken word and and written poetry is in written poetry you're actually giving so much control to the reader because the reader can put whatever voice he wants on it he or she wants on it they can they can slow down they can rewind they can they can read lines over and over again in spoken word poetry the beauty is in the moment mm-hmm. and in the moment you control everything you it's your voice and then it's gone and and so there's this there's this thing there's this thing about spoken word poetry where it's like full appreciation in the moment. I mean that's that's the reason why usually when you ask what are their favorite lines, they can't really tell you their favorite lines. They can tell you how they felt more. Sort of something about spoken word poetry that's really beautiful. It's about capturing what's real, what's mm-hmm. emotional. And that's something where like I think the poem and what you've talked about, you know, in our society today we're we're becoming distanced from it. I I don't know, like like we are more comfortable texting than we are like actually talking in person. Yeah. And that's there's some humanity that's lost totally. in it. Totally. Right. Yeah. Right. right. So it's a, it preserves that in a way. Yeah. It yeah. Preserves that human connection. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah. And I think so. Yeah. And that's what open mics do. I mean, that's. I mean, why? I mean, nothing against technology and everything, but like. But a little like one, one evening, one evening during um, an open mic. You, you get this incredible dose of humanity yes. and truth. Right. Yes. 
Awesome. Well, before you read second poem, do you have any uh, projects or events that you have coming up that you want to share? Yeah, well, I'm proud to be, um, I'm proud that um, I've been selected. I'm a member of the San Diego Slam team. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah going to nationals uh, this August, so my plan is to try um, to write as much and to, and to work with like some incredible poets and, and, and to try to bring a, a national title awesome. uh, to San Diego. <laughs> um, that'll be my goal until August. Um, but I'm always uh, looking out on the side for, for writers um, who are interested in just wanting to like hear their yeah. stuff. Um, I, I do workshops. I'm actually like traveling, um, going to universities just to like sit in professors have have asked me to sit in and like listen to poetry and offer pointers and yeah so i I enjoy doing that i totally enjoy doing that um so for those workshops if somebody's interested in them is there a way that they can look into it more yeah yeah they could uh first they can they can email me really easy it's j limer j l i m as in mouse e r at palomar p-a-l-o-m as in mouse a-r dot e-d-u um, just email me. Um, and then usually I set up like a, like a one-on-one or in a group setting. Um, anyone can email me and this is like free to the community. So cool. that's yeah. so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, Joe. Sure. And now, uh, Joe's going to close us out with the second poem. So here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, uh, yeah. this is the new one. <laughs> this is brand new. So brand let's try new. this. Ooh, first time, let's everybody. Uh, and it's entitled, uh, An open letter from Yoda from Star Wars. They are forcibly eliminating our way of life, systematically hunting down Jedis of all ages, free thinkers and challengers to the state or agitators to the new world order, authorities given power to brutalize by all means necessary. Darth is code word for officer on other planets. Vader does not hide behind a mask. He hides behind a badge, hides behind probable cause. Let's press conferences justify reasonable suspicion. They say they are doing this for your protection. Say they are doing this for your safety. Don't call them human. Don't call them by their names. Michael Brown, Walter Scott, Freddie Gray. Call them criminal. Call it a problem. Call it a purge. Their presence, I mean, presence requires gift-wrapped hands. Black bodies are dangerous, so give them a rough ride. Handle with constitutional care is a lie, so bones are broken and blamed on gravity, on the fault in our stars. Double-cross judges handle gavels like lightsabers on the unarmed, so innocent until proven guilty isn't implemented if the melanin is iffy. Dred Scott strikes back in the return of Jim Crow. Stormtroopers storming lands by declaring states of emergency. Officers brainwashed only following orders. Uppity insurrections once done at night are lynchings allowable by law under the Klan. Now see injustice played in front of media lights, still burning crosses under sound bites of Sean Hannity. Taking Kessel runs from threats in five parsecs justify shots in the back, so we dismiss Greedo cops with pay and ask who shot first. Still eyes blur movies into reality TV, desensitize ourselves so what we see can't be real, so we really can't get involved. Leave it to leaders to figure it out while we concern ourselves with bigger problems like the economy, never realizing our situation is economic too. 
If the Empire had a press secretary, it would Death Star communities by calling the National Guard, call a curfew, make an executive order, news tickers ticker tape outline another thug taken off the streets because prisons are overpopulated. In a galaxy far, far away, they called it Alderaan, call it Ferguson, Charleston, Baltimore. We wolf blitzer CNN say never again as propaganda videos prop a phantom menace. Last rites now begin with the words, shots fired, so why? I use the force when CGI makes it easier. So, unlearn. Only hope you are. Thanks again, everybody. That was Joe Limer. I'm Kara Goldfarb. This is Say Something, Anything. Any poets out there who think they'd be good to be on our show or if you know a poet who should be on our show, email me at kara at punapress.com. Thanks again. We'll speak to you soon.